In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Three in One who has come to this earth so that He might have us be His body on the move. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, there's a story, it's, it's probably more of a parable than it really is a real story. But there's a story and it goes something like this, that there was once a very sort of rocky coastline. And this rocky coastline was the reason for many ships being sunk. That the ships would come in and they wouldn't know what was about to be there in, in front of their ship and their ship would hit a rock and it would begin to sink. And so, some people who lived near that rocky coastline decided that they were going to start what they called a life-saving club. And they were going to get together and they were going to take turns every night. They were going to stand out at the lighthouse and they were going to watch for ships that got into trouble. And when they saw a ship that got into trouble, whether it was sinking or whether it just got into trouble, they would get in little rowboats and they would row their boats out there and they would go and help people. Well, this continued to happen for several years and people in the town got to hearing about this and they thought that the life-saving club sounded like a really awesome thing. And so more and more people started to join the life-saving club and they got more and more equipment and they got better and better stuff. And sooner or later, pretty soon, it got to be a really good thing to have the life-saving club on your resume. And so people would join the life-saving club and as they, as more and more people joined the life-saving club, they started to looking, looking around at the clubhouse and they started to go, going, well, you know, this clubhouse is okay, but we're spending our nights here and so it should be fixed up a little bit. So they started fixing up the clubhouse a little bit and it started to look really, really nice. And as it started to look nicer and nicer, they started to do a few more social events and things at the life-saving club because, well, they figured, well, hey, as long as we're here, we might as well put on something to entertain us. We, we might as well do a movie night and just kind of wait for the ships to come in. And pretty soon it became the fact that the life-saving club was there, but nobody ever went out on the boat anymore. Because the life-saving club was no longer about saving lives, but rather it was about hanging out. Now that parable, that story, is a great one to induce guilt. (laughs) And sometimes that guilt is called for. Sometimes we recognize exactly what that story is about. That sometimes as the church... Instead of being a life-saving club, that we have become a social club. And maybe that's not how you feel about University Lutheran. Maybe you see that elsewhere in the church. Maybe you do see that here at University Lutheran. But the question comes to us, why is that even a thing that we're worried about? Why do we care about the story of the life-saving club? If you're in here and you hate me because I just told you that story, why do you have that feeling of hate? If you're in here and you're saying, right on, Pastor Jay, you tell him, which is also kind of weird, honestly, then why do you have that feeling of elation? Why do you have that feeling of camaraderie? Yeah, let's do the life-saving club, PJ. Why is that? 
Well, the reason for that is because of this thing that we've been talking about. That we have been, by our baptisms, we have been transformed into something that we were not born as. We were not born as the body of Christ. In fact, it took probably at least several weeks for most of us to be reborn into that body of Christ. Just like little Eleanor here at the baptismal font was last week. And that moment is when we got this weird reality of becoming Christ's body. And you go, oh, well, that's nice, Jay. That's all metaphorical. Well, what if it's not? I mean, we're Lutherans after all. We don't believe that the stuff that he says about communion is metaphorical. And so, could we actually be bold enough, brave enough, to believe that something in our bodies changes when we are baptized? Could we be bold enough and brave enough to believe that when God says that we are His body, that we actually believe that we are His body, that we inherit something of His DNA? That we inherit something of His makeup. And that is something that changes us from the inside out. And that every time that we're forgiven, that sense of who we are is renewed. And that that sense of who we are is actually an early manifestation of what it means for us to have an immortal body in the resurrection. What if we actually believed that? If we actually believed that, then we would start to look at Jesus in a whole new way. And we would start to look at Jesus in a way where we say, okay, if I have his genes, if I have his DNA, what does that mean for me? And of course, it doesn't just mean for you. Because, oddly enough, you, singular, are not the body of Christ. Which is probably a relief for you when you find out what happens to his body. But us, plural, are the body of Christ. Which, by the way, that also happens to us, plural. Luther says that the seventh sign of what it means for us to be the church is that we are a church that suffers. But we also are a church that follows in who Jesus is. And one of those things about who Jesus is is found here in this gospel lesson. Here in this gospel lesson, Jesus has a pretty good thing going. He heads over to kind of hang out. It sort of looks like an after-school scene with James and John and Simon and all of them. They're, they're all hanging out at Simon's mama's house. You know, you can imagine she's bringing out the Totino's, Totino's pizza rolls. But, but mom isn't feeling so well. In fact, she, she's actually probably pretty close to death. And so Jesus comes up to her and he says, get up. And all of a sudden she's healed. And as she's healed, she goes and she gets the pizza rolls. She is healed so much that she starts to serve them. And you say, well, Jay, that's not a big deal. Moms serve while they're sick all the time. Amen? Amen, yeah. But this seems significant, that Mark mentions it. That she is serving, that she is so well, that she's serving even out of her wellness, not just out of her sickness. And so out of that, then you have all of these people coming to the house. They hear, hey, this Jesus guy, he can, he, he can heal stuff, he can cast out demons even. 
And that's where you go, time out. Does that mean because I have Jesus' DNA that I am going to be healing people and casting out demons? Again, some of you are like, sweet, let's go do it. Others of you are like, I'm going to a different church. Well, ride with me for a little bit. So what happens? Jesus heals all of those people and He casts out demons and He's saying, hey, don't let these demons let anybody know who I am because who I am is going to be revealed in the cross. But I'm going to go and I'm going to... Mark actually reveals a little bit about who Jesus is. I'm going to go and talk to my Father. He goes out on the in the early morning. He goes out and he talks to God. And he has this conversation with God. And he has this conversation with God. And afterwards, the disciples come up to him and they go, Jesus, where are you? The line is out the door. Now, this is a moment where Jesus could say, Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I just needed to go and pray for a little bit. I'll be right back there and I'll, I'll go and help those people. Legit, we would, we would understand if he did that. In fact, we might even be a little bit angry at Jesus if we didn't know he was Jesus and we felt bad about being angry with him. Might be a little angry with Jesus that he didn't go back to heal those people and to cast those demons out. Because what Jesus says is, next. What Jesus says is, I'm going to move on. Uh, Let's go to the next town so that I can preach there. Let's go to the next place so that I can tell those people about the good news of the kingdom of God. Because that is why I came. And that's jarring. Because we're afraid that we get left behind. We're afraid that we are the person with a fever that that was the first person standing on Simon's mother-in-law's doorstep. You're on the welcome mat. But Jesus isn't showing up. That's what we're afraid of. That we're not going to get any of that care. From Jesus. But here's the reality. The reality isn't that Jesus doesn't care about us. It isn't that Jesus leaves us hanging. It's that Jesus brings us along. That Jesus says, let's go. Let's go to the next town. Not... I'm going to go. But let's go. Let's all of us go. And we don't know what happens. Maybe he goes back there and he's like, everybody's healed. Come on, let's move. And that is what Jesus cares about. Jesus cares about that sense of movement because that sense of movement is how he's going to save the world. That sense of movement is even how he saves you. Because here's the reality. God has already come into your life. And has spoken his words into your life. If in no other way than just a little bit earlier today when I said your sins are forgiven in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
And hopefully you said amen. But you know that that doesn't mean that you're not going to need that care again. That's not just a one-time thing. But in that, God is saying to you, let's go. Let me get you right and let's go. Let's keep this moving. And that is what it's like for us as Christians as we receive forgiveness and then are sent out in mission. And then while we're on mission, we end up getting in a place where we need that healing again. And so we come back to Jesus and we say, Lord, I need this all over again. I need your gospel. I need your love. I need your inclusion. I need your acceptance. I need you to love me. And Jesus says, done. Let's move. And then you do it again. And you go, hey, Lord, I'm tired. Rest. Let's move. And that's what it means for us. As a church, that's what it means for us as the body of Christ. That we know where to go to get rescued. is such a beautiful and amazing thing. That in fact, according to that story that I told at the beginning of the sermon, who we are are the people who have been rescued from those sinking ships. And we have been brought in as an army of people who get why this can never be a social club. Because it saved us. We'll go and save other people. I just came back from this youth ministry symposium in St. Louis. And one of the most sort of obvious things... But one of the most important things that I heard at that conference was this. That as a church, if we are going to do a good job serving the people that are already members of our church, people that are already here, that the best thing that we can do for one another is to be so very clear about the mission that is before us. Because if we don't keep following Jesus... then we end up getting all sorts of sideways here. But if we keep on following Him, if we keep on hearing His call of inclusion that says, come on, let's go, we'll also hear the call of His justification. The call that says, I'm not calling you to follow me just out of your own strength. I am calling you to follow me out of my strength. That your following has very little to do with your DNA. And it has everything to do with my DNA. Given in my body, in my blood, crucified for you on that Mount of Calvary given to you in, with, and under the elements of the bread and the wine here in communion. So when we come up to receive that sacrament, if you're going to receive it with us today, take that body. Take that blood. 
receive His DNA in this mystical body of Christ. And then hear Him cry out loudly, Let's go. Amen.